Please put your hands together for Mr. James Judd. Gosh, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here. I've been saying, I've been saying, before the end of the world, I'm going to play BAM. And I just made it! Yeah. This is completely off topic. This is not uh, part of my story, but this has just been on my mind. What do you suppose that our second Civil War uniforms will look like? <laughs> I think it's going to be very different. I don't think it's going to be the red and the blue. I th I'm thinking more like cargo shorts and a cape. <laughs> you know, but you know, listen, the whole world is hanging by a thread. This is not the time to hold back. So without further ado, hit it. San Jose, California, the late 70s. It is the summer after sixth grade. And I am really freaked out about starting junior high school because I am the class weirdo. I mean, I'm it. Uh, it's me. Do you remember the weirdest person in class? That was me. You wonder what happened to that person? I'm gonna tell you. That was me. And junior high school means there's eighth graders. I'm gonna get my ass kicked every day. You are so weird. Oh my God, you're so weird. Why are you so weird? You're like the biggest weirdo in school. Look, I get it. I, I get it. I'm, I'm the class weirdo. Look, if I could not be, I, I wouldn't be. I mean, I'd like to fit in, but I just don't. I mean, I try to be, you know, normal. I even have like a little ritual to sort of knock the weirdo out of me. Um, there's like a time uh, when I'm like home by myself for an hour every afternoon, and I go into my parents' bedroom with my miniature dogs and brownie, and my parents had this big, long credenza on one side of the room. And on one side of it, my mom has like three frosted wigs that she rotates throughout the week. And on the other side, there's some bottles of whiskey and a glass. And in the middle, there's a stereo with like some Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash and Buddy Rich Records. And I pour myself a thin line of scotch. And I put on one of those frosted wigs. And I put on that Buddy Rich record and I dance! Did I get it? Did I knock it out of me? I don't know, but I feel great! <laughs> I, uh... Okay, I have to tell you something. You're not gonna like it. But here it goes. I, too, had a terrible father. Stay with me! <laughs> stay with me! Say, stay with me! Look, if we didn't all have terrible fathers, we wouldn't have a show. Yes. <laughs> have
having at least one terrible parent gives you like a 90% increase in ending up in a one-person show. This is so comfortable. But if you're gonna end up at BAM, you better be living with a real monster, and I've got one. An alcoholic, door-breaking monster. For my whole childhood, I had one dream, to be kidnapped. I used to see other kids' pictures on milk cartons and think, what have they got that I haven't got? <laughs> Movies are my salvation. There's a, a movie theater in our town that has $2 Tuesday. And $2 gets you into a full day of second and third run movies and everyone who works there is 15 and stoned and they don't care if I'm 11 and I go to R-rated movies. So I get a can of tab from the concession and I, and I sit in the theater and I see all the great movies of the 70s. But the movie that changes everything for me is The Exorcist. Well, until then, who, who even knew that demonic possession was a thing? Not me. My parents come from different religions, and they decided sometime before I was born that the way to keep their kids from joining the other's religion was to have no religion at all. I mean, at age 11, I don't know anything about religion other than what I've seen in Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> which I've seen like a dozen times. And I believe every note. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. Should I bring him down? Should I scream and shout? Let my feelings out. Well, it was the early 70s. I mean, Jesus and Mary, Sonny and Cher, it was very easy to get them mixed up. And in my mind, Mary is always played by Cher. And every night, all the men will come around and lay the money down. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> I know nothing about religion. I see The Exorcist, and to me, this is a story about a girl not much older than myself who conquers her inner demons. And I think, well, this is it. This is the answer. If I can get a demon to possess me, I'm sure I can skip seventh grade. <laughs> I, how do you do that, you know? So I... Uh, well, first I try an Ouija board, and that doesn't work. Even though I lit a sand candle and I put on Leonard Skinner, that's like known to bring demons. <laughs> then I think, well, maybe I'm thinking too small. Maybe if I could get the other kids in my neighborhood possessed by demons, it would catch on like the flu and the whole school would be shut down. Like, how do I do that? I remember that I've got some old sock puppets in the garage. I think, I'll put on a puppet show. I'll put on an exorcist sock puppet show. Well, the next day I gather all the kids that I can get from the neighborhood into our living room. My parents are gone. They don't have any idea what's going on. And uh, I begin the show. Oh, Reagan, I'm the priest that's going to help you shake loose the demon. <laughs> I'm not Reagan. I'm a devil. Grab her by the... Ah! Ah, I'm the devil, only the devil would say that. Ah! Well, I think the show goes great. <laughs> but no matter what anyone else says, I am telling you, I did not lock the front door to keep anybody from getting out. 
I locked it because I said no latecomers. Well, by the time my parents get home from work, the answering machine is just full of angry message from the neighbors. They are just ready to run me out of town with torches and pitchforks. And after a long night of arguing, my parents burst into my room. My mother says, that's it. We're sending you to a Bible study camp. I'm stunned. I couldn't have been more surprised if they said they were sending me to the moon. Bible study? Why? I don't know anything about the damn Bible. My father says, don't you swear about the Bible. You could stand to learn a thing or two. My mother says, preferably two. When my father leaves the room, my mother says, not a word of this ends up in your act. <laughs> my mother is constantly accusing me of plotting some sort of nightclub act to embarrass her. We have this conversation all the time. I say, what act? I'm 11, I don't have an act. But you're going to. <laughs> Someday, you're gonna get on stage and tell people how crazy we were. Who would want to see that? People! What people? People who need people? My mother would say, good one. I never should have taken you to see Funny Girl when you were six. It affected you. You were too young. Let's just try to get through this week. So, uh, plans are made. I perp walk through an apology tour to the neighbors. My puppets are thrown in the trash. My name is written on the back of my underwear. And the night before I leave, I'm in my room packing. My father comes in with a handgun. He says, here, you can take this. I said, I don't know how to fire a gun. Well, maybe they'll give you some lessons. You're going in the woods, you ought to have something that shoots. Well, there's five bullets in there, just don't tell your mother said, I don't, I'm not gonna take this. And don't take it! I'm just trying to help you. Tired of trying to figure you out. The next morning, a church van picks me up. And after several hours of driving through the Santa Cruz Mountains, it dumps me in the parking lot of the Redwood Camp for Christian Youth Pre-Teen Division. The head of camp is waiting for me. Cheese and crackers, you're a tall feller. Welcome to camp. Here is your very own Bible, edited in a bridge for appropriate preteen content. Let's go meet your cabin. And we walk through camp and we come to our cabin, just basically like, you know, a wood shack, uh, five bunk beds, a semi-separate quarters for the counselor, kind of an outhouse-looking latrine. And one kid is reading Water Shift Down. Another is passing around a pet rock. The carpenters are playing from the digital clock radio. I think that's cool. And then I meet my counselor, Paco. Keith Partridge, haircut, he's 19, Serafi, Birkenstocks, guitar. And he is the hairiest person I have ever seen. He is literally covered in hair. He is a human hair blanket. I am instantly in love. say that 
that. Listen, listen. I like camp. I like everything about it. I like the hikes. I like the food. I like the, the you know, the, the singing. I, I, the Bible stories. I, I like it all. Everybody is nice, which makes for a nice change. But the thing I like most about camp, about camp is the quiet at night. Real quiet, not just uneasy silence in the dark, but real quiet. I sleep. I really sleep. Well, all the afternoon activities at camp are already full up, uh, except for arts and crafts, and everybody knows arts and crafts are for losers. <laughs> I take the only seat available next to a kid named Louie, who is putting glue on dried macaroni and eating it. <laughs> he offers me some, I take it. It's not terrible. <laughs> and my eyes glance over this large table of Arts and crafts, things, uh, paint, uh, yarn, googly eyes. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, old socks, oh, gross. And then it hits me. Socks, yarn, paint, googly eyes. I can make sock puppets. I can make exorcist sock puppets. I work furiously. And finally, finally, my sock puppets are finished even greater than before. My possessed girl puppet and my priest puppet, and I put them on. At last, my arms are complete again. Jump ahead a few days. We're on a hike. And some of the girls from the girls' side of the camp have joined us. Well, we're in a very foggy part of the forest, and one girl and one boy fall down a really steep hill. <laughs> and then Paco falls down the hill trying to help them. Be careful, Paco! Well, it turns out that the boy has a sprained ankle and cannot walk, and the girl maybe has a broken foot and needs immediate medical attention. So Paco decides that he's gonna carry her back to the camp. And he tells the rest of us to stay with the boy with a sprained ankle who can't walk until he gets back with more adults. I say, well, what do you want us to do while we're waiting? He says, tell a Bible story. <laughs> but what I hear is tell a story that involves the Bible two priests, and a girl possessed by the devil. As soon as Paco is out of sight, I say, Get around, kitties! It's showtime! think the show goes great. <laughs> but an hour later, I find myself in the office of the head of camp. What in the peanut butter and jelly made you think you could put on a dirty bummet show? And don't you tell me it was a chimney he hot devil. The devil is horse pucky. The devil is horse pucky. I've got a whole cabin full of kids with a cheese and scared out of them. Sunny Beach. I have never had to send a kid home early from camp. But I'm calling your poor parents right now. 
supposed to be afraid of this guy? Are you kidding? If you're not hitting me on the back of the head with an empty bourbon bottle, you're not playing in my league. <laughs> and my mother is no fool. She knew something was going to go wrong. She tells me later she spent the whole week avoiding picking up the telephone. <laughs> she hears the message. She waits an hour. She puts on a mariachi record. She calls back and says, we can't come get him. We're in Mexico. <laughs> Click. So I, I, I'm placed on a cabin arrest for the rest of the week. Now, this is my first official incarceration. And uh, I really, I don't know what to make of it. On the first day when all the kids get up and they go to breakfast and I'm left behind, I'm, I'm really mad. But then a lady from the cafeteria comes with a huge tray of food. And I like, get back into my bunk and I eat toast and I think, this is not terrible. <laughs> and then when everybody leaves for the big hike and Bible study, I do what anyone in my situation would do. I search their luggage. <laughs> I moved everybody's underwear around. I ate all their hidden candy. And then I settled in and I read all of their mail. I read all the letters from home. I read their diaries, everything. And when I was done, I, I had, you know, a, an epiphany. That, well, I like these Bible study kids. I was never going to be one of them. I'm just too different. I'm different. I've seen too many things. I know too much. I will never fit in. I will never fit in with the kids at school. I will always be one of the people on the fringes. That's where I live. So on the last night of the, of the camp, they say that I can go to the big final bonfire uh, where there's like, you know, I'm sitting by myself up at the top and there's songs and there's stories like there are every night. And then something unusual happens. One of the counselors asks if anyone would like to get up and speak. And a feeling comes over me, a whole body sensation I can only describe as possession. And I stand up and I say, I've got something to say. And I run down to the front and I grab the microphone and miraculously nobody tries to take it from me. I say, behold me, for I have had an amazing transformation this week at camp. Before I came here, I was consorting with the devil. I asked the devil to come into my life. I saw his head spin around. I tried to call him with a Ouija board. I even invited him into my own two hands to speak through me. Because I believe the devil could cure me of being the class weirdo. But now, because of the miracle of camp, and especially Paco, I know that weird is good. Different is special. Yes, I'm a weirdo. But I like it. I like it. I like it. When I grow up, I'm gonna live. And this little light of mine is going to shine. And now I'm gonna get the devil out of all of you. We're gonna have an exorcism right now. When I say the devil is, you're gonna shout, Horse Pucky, the devil is!
The devil is, the devil is, the devil is James Judge. <laughs>